Let's pause for prayer this morning. Father, we thank You. We've sang some, some amazing songs this morning. And Father, we thank You that You reign. And Lord, we just ask this morning that Your Holy Spirit would open our eyes and our ears to hear from You. We, You are with us where two or three are gathered together. So Lord, just give us understanding as we look into Your Word for a few minutes and then as we hear of what You're doing in our world. We thank You in Jesus' name. Amen. Earlier this week, I was in contact with our guest speaker who isn't here yet. He's from Africa, as you well know. He's here. Okay. Well, I'm not ready for him yet. So I was going to say he's from Africa, so you never know. When, uh... Anyway, praise the Lord, he's here. But I asked him this week, is there something, because he wasn't sure when he could get here. So I asked him, is there anything that we could discuss, we could talk about before you arrived in anticipation of your coming. And he, he sent two passages of Scripture. And as I read those, I kind of scratched my head and I thought, hmm, wonder how these fit together. But then thinking about what he probably will share with us, uh, it, it came, it became clear. So if you have your Bibles, I open, ask you to open them to the book of Isaiah. And I'm going to read a couple verses in chapter 24. But then the verse that he mentioned is in chapter 27. The context of these chapters, 24 through 27, they're they're Isaiah's final vision that he had from God. He had three visions, and this is the final one that God gave to him. And it's of God ruling the nations in judgment and salvation. And they're considered by many as a description of great tribulation on earth and the judgment that comes through that on this earth and then the return of Christ and His glory as He reigns, which we just sang about. But He's already reigning. But there's a, a final uh, that's coming. But in chapters 26 and 27, those chapters as you read them, they're filled with an anticipation and excitement that is building that Isaiah gives us. But in chapter 24, verse 1, it speaks of the destruction of the earth. And Isaiah writes, Behold, the Lord lays the earth waste. He devastates it, twists its surface, and scatters its inhabitants. And then verses 5 and 6, The earth lies defiled under its inhabitants, for they have transgressed the laws, violated the statutes, broken the everlasting covenant. Therefore, a curse devours the earth, and its inhabitants suffer for their guilt. Therefore the inhabitants of the earth are scorched and few men are left. A sad picture. But in the midst of that destruction and that suffering, verse 14, Isaiah tells us, there are some who lift up their voices. They sing for joy over the majesty of the Lord. They shout from the west. Therefore, in the east, give glory to the Lord. In the coastlands of the sea, give glory to the name of the Lord, the God of Israel. For the ends of the earth, for from the ends of the earth, we sing songs of praise, of glory to the righteous one. And then in chapter 27, 
Context is so important. And what we've just heard from verses 20, or chapter 24 through 26, verse chapter 27 begins like this. Verse 1. In that day, the Lord will take His terrible swift sword and punish Leviathan, the swiftly moving serpent, the coiling, writhing serpent. He will kill the dragon of the sea. What that tells us is that Satan's demise is at hand. It is sure. In Revelation chapter 20, it describes when Satan, who is called the serpent, the great serpent, he will be bound for a thousand years. And during those thousand years, he will be unable to deceive the nations. Now I understand that there are differing views of that. You can be wrong if you want to. That's your choice. But Jesus is going to reign for a thousand years. And if He doesn't, you can come tap me on the shoulder and say, you were wrong. And I'll say, that's fine. I would never want to take anything away from Him. And if it says He's going to reign for a thousand years and Satan will be bound, I'm all for it. Anyway, we get this picture of Satan being bound and he will not be able to deceive the nations. Can you imagine the earth under those conditions. We live in that hope. The world will not always be what it is today. Where sin abounds and unrighteousness just seems to flourish unchecked. But then the verse that I was given. Verse 2. In that day, Sing about a fruitful vineyard. I, the Lord, watch over it. I water it continually. I guard it day and night so that no one may harm it. In that day, that is future, when that final fulfillment comes. But we are not left alone this day. Yes, there are trials. Yes, there is pain. There is great disappointment. But that is not the whole story. We know that. We live in the present, but our present is tempered by the promised hope of that day that is coming. Every time I go to the little village in northeastern Ohio where I grew up, the town of Hartville, many times we'll drive past my old doctor's office when I was a kid. It's now Caitlin's dad's office. He's an eye doctor. And it's amazing as I drive past how I remember that building. My doctor was Dr. Cotton. There was nothing soft about him. <laughs> but I remember those big concrete steps. And as I look at them now, they're not nearly as high as they were then. But I could literally draw you a diagram of that office. The steps, the waiting room on the left, the receptionist uh, window on this side, the long hallway. I can take you, the first room on the left was where I went when I had jumped into a construction pit and landed on a broken pop bottle. And it nearly cut my, well I didn't cut it off, but it went all the way to the bone, the bottom of my foot. And they took a toothbrush and they cleaned all that out. I can still feel that today and I can still see the scar. But I remember that. 
The next room on the right is where I would get my shots, you know, leaning over the table and getting those shots. I remember it like it was this morning. But what I didn't consider in that day is the fact that the work of the doctors and the nurses at that time in that day probably saved my life from infection and other things. Life can be like that. We remember the bad things, the hard things. They're never far away from our memories. Isaiah reminds us that even in those times when we can't see what God is doing, and we ask, why Lord? Why this? He is watching over us. He is guarding us. He is growing us. He is keeping us. And there was a second passage that was given to me, and it's Romans chapter 12, verse 12. And of course, I'm one who considers context. But in chapter 12, verse 1, Paul writes, in view of God's mercy. So if in that day when I was at that doctor's office and they were taking that brush and cleaning out that cut and it was not pleasant, if I would have been thinking about what's going to happen and, you know, 50 years later I'm going to be standing at Turkey. You know, we don't think that way. We don't think that far in the future. But Paul is reminding us to think beyond the present into the future. Even when things are painful and disappointing, God's mercy is at work. In view of God's mercy, he says. Considering God's mercy. He goes on and he says, in fact, we need to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. We sang about sacrifice. Sacrifice is not pleasant. It's not easy. But Paul is not saying, offer your bodies in that day. No, he's saying in this day, today, Offer your bodies as living sacrifices. Now I'll admit, being a living sacrifice doesn't sound at all appealing. Unless we're looking beyond this day to that day. What we'll hear this morning is, we'll hear about that day, but now there's this day, and then there's days ahead. When we offer ourselves, we relinquish our control and give it to him when you volunteer to help someone if i go to marvin's dairy and i say marvin i'd like to help you this morning uh, with whatever work you're is but, but here's a whole list of things that i won't do all right i'm not going to go after the bull i'm not going to milk the cows i'm not going to feed the cows i will sit on the tractor when you volunteer that's what happens you offer yourself to someone, and whatever you want me to do, that's what I'll do. Paul says, offer your bodies as living sacrifices. Lord, what do you want me to do? I was going to ask this. This morning I was in the foyer, and I walked past Ben, and he looked at me, and, I, and he could tell I wanted something, and I, and I told him I had, a, I had a suggestion for a song. 
But I said, it's too late, I'm not going to do it. So wouldn't you know, we sang it this morning. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Think about it. Now, he didn't know that. And I didn't know what he was doing. But I think the Lord did, right? So we sang the song, Blessed be the name of the Lord. And I think that describes life many times. It describes the pleasant, the things that we like when things are going along well. We enjoy those times. And we bless the name of the Lord. But there's also times of pain and trial when things don't go well. And the response in that song is, blessed be your name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. If I'm found in the desert place, blessed be your name. If I'm found on the road of suffering, blessed be your name. Paul reminds us in verse 12 to rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. Paul doesn't say to just have hope that things will get better. Just hang in there. No. He says rejoice in hope as we keep looking to that day, not this day. Now what's interesting about this thing about rejoicing is it shows. When something exciting happens, we have no trouble rejoicing, do we? What I found amazing was the first time that this Greek word appears in the New Testament is when the wise men saw the star that was in the eastern sky after they had met Herod. They had traveled all the way from the east. They'd gone to Jerusalem to find this new king that was born, king of the Jews. So they went to the king's house. And they met with Herod. And where's this new king? And we know that whole story. But in Matthew chapter 2, verse 10, when they saw the star, they left Herod. When they went back outside, there was the star. And it says they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. How did that look? How did, how did that show? Now maybe they jumped up and down. Or maybe they just pumped their fists in the air. However wise men do it. However they show joy exceedingly. But somehow they showed that. They were rejoicing in hope. There's the star. That's the promise. We're going that direction. Paul says to rejoice in hope. The day is coming when that serpent who is constantly trying to take us out, is going to be bound. That is glorious. That is rejoicing when we think of that. The second one is probably one of my most favorite words in the English language. Patient in tribulation. I just love being patient. It's just... Mm. I mean, it makes me, it makes me want to jump up and down and cry the word in the greek literally means to stay behind i think we all know what it feels like to be left behind everybody else gets to go kurt's like that this morning his whole family's in toledo enjoying a vacation and he's stuck here doing the chores patiently i'm sure that's the idea 
We get left behind, and typically it's left behind to do the work, the hard things, the mundane things. Be patient in tribulation. It means to put up with, to tolerate, to persevere, not to give up, but to stand firm. Patient doesn't show itself by pacing back and forth with your hands in your pocket. How long is this going to take? Or drumming your fingers on the steering wheel. Anybody ever do that? I never do, but I'm sure some of you do. Patience is not a human trait, a normal human trait. Noah waited patiently for the flood to come that God had promised. The evil around him was going to be destroyed. But he was patient. But he wasn't idle, was he? He didn't sit there and just watch the world go by. He was busy doing what God had called him to do. He kept building the boat. Patience is a sign of strength not weakness. And finally, Paul sums it all up with be persistent in prayer. William Barclay says that no man should be surprised when life collapses if he insists on living it alone. We can, and I have at times, said, God knows everything. So why should I bother Him with my problems, my troubles? Because He's not like me. He likes to be bothered. And I'm sure most of you like to be bothered, don't you? No, we don't. We, you know, we just don't. But God does. He wants us to come to Him because He's not bothered by our coming. Because He is patient. Perfection. Prayer and hope, which Paul talks about, go hand in hand. You can't have one without the other. Hope in the eternal God brings us to prayer. We have the hope, the promise that it's coming, and that takes us to prayer. Lord, we look forward to that day. We want to be completely made into Your image. So it brings us to prayer. The hope brings us to prayer. And then the prayer to our Heavenly Father brings us hope because it reminds us of what He has in store for us. And then it gives us patience as we walk through the trials of life. But I want to close with a warning. It ain't easy. It is not easy. If it was easy, everyone would be doing it. And not everyone is. Let's close in prayer and then I'll introduce our guest. Father, we thank You this morning for Your Word. We thank You for the promise of Isaiah that You look at us as Your people as a a fruitful vineyard, a fruitful garden that You care for even when things are going crazy. Even in the midst of civil war and disappointment and all of those things, Father, You carefully watch over Your children. And Father, You remind us through the Apostle Paul that we have this hope, that we are to rejoice in the hope that You've provided. 
that we are to walk patiently before You as we live in this world, as we wait, as we live, as we work. We need Your help to be patient. And then as we pray continually, constantly, asking that Your will will be done in us and that Your will will be done in this world. Give us strength, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.